welcome back to May Contain Violence. I'm your host, David, with me is Mallory, and we're going to continue Vampire Month. This is episode two, where we look at the long reach of Dracula. We're still not done with the master yet, but we're going to be looking at a few other aspects of him and his legacy. All right, five years later, Universal released the first sequel to Dracula because it was a bona fide hit for Universal. Um, let's see here. And that was named Dracula's Daughter. Now, this was directed by Lambert Hillier and starred Otto Kruger as Jeffrey Garth and Gloria Holden as Countess Maria Zaleska, a.k.a. Dracula's Daughter. Have you seen it? I actually haven't. I can I can say that I actually have not seen this one. So I'm getting a full spoiler alert from you. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. Everything's everything's spoiler. I mean, nineteen, you know, thirties. Sorry, <laughs> I, I think I think enough time has passed. Um, it's still a spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, now apparently, this was adapted, and I couldn't get confirmation i just uh, read this in a, in a couple of spots but this was adapted from a cut chapter from stoker's dracula yes that's true you heard that too okay yeah. and um that was called uh, well, but it was later published as a short story called dracula's guest yes yeah um although apparently it was more of the concept that was taken than the actual story which is to be um, the case for most adaptations. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, it actually has more in common with uh, the other book I mentioned uh, from 1872, uh, Carmilla. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was an original novella. And the first one of the first published works that actually uh, hinted at uh, lesbian relations. And... Um, in that book, the protagonist falls under the charm of the vampire, uh, Carmilla. Mm -hmm. And uh, a new trope is born, the lesbian vampire. We will uh, we'll see that pop up again yes, later. Yes, it, it definitely will. <laughs> yeah. Under, um, I think, maybe under, ha is Hammer the first that started that, maybe? I think, I think you're, I, I want to say yes, you're right, because, I, I mean looking at like looking through and my notes it appears it would be hammer with um yeah. i think it was during i don't want to say the i want to say the brides of dracula maybe it's into that but you yeah. know i, I it's it's it it's kind of it that's the first introduction and it kind of makes its way into other like uh, later films in the dracula series mm -hmm. Right. Um, now, I think they did make a adaptation of Carmilla, um, although they brought it further um, closer to modern time or than modern times. Um, I did see it in passing. I was going to go more into it as we get farther down because it wasn't until I think the 70s. I think um, um, it was mentioned in one of the Fright Night remakes. I think that, oh, that yeah, right? it's the Fright Night 2 remake. 
so I, it, I believe that the character, the vampire character is Carmilla, but don't quote me mm-hmm. on that. Okay. Okay, well, we'll, 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 we'll get research there. that when we get to it. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but, um, so yeah, anyways, uh, it does have probably a little more common, uh, common with Carmilla. Um, now, I watched it recently, and I didn't catch if they, uh, for, they call it Dracula's daughter, but I don't think she's his actual daughter. I think it's more of a blood uh, thing, like, like the, like his brides, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not not his actual blood uh, daughter and all that. But um, they don't really get into the relations that uh, Dracula had with uh, Zarya, uh, Maria, I should say. And so, uh, and, which is kind of a pity because I think that would have been an interesting um, thing to explore that Dracula does not consider her as a bride but more of a more as a uh as a child for him but they didn't really get into that um okay so it took place immediately following the end of dracula like literally they're showing van helsing stake him Mm -hmm. and uh again played by edward von sloan he returned for the sequel yes and they should yeah uh, although here they call him, he's called Von Helsing instead of Van Helsing. Ooh. And yeah, I wonder if that was some sort of copyright hang up or something. I don't know why they call him that. Um, but, you know, just a slight uh, name variation change on that. Um, so he is basically uh, seen by two uh, constables um, and who discover the the broken body of Renfield at the bottom of the stairs. And um, Van Helsing basically said, yeah, I, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a body in there too. It's Dracula. <laughs> so he, uh, he's, he's taken in. He's uh, on suspicion of murder. And uh, they don't really uh, buy, Scotland Yard doesn't really buy his story yet. Um, but uh, they bring um, Renfield's body as well as Dracula's body to the uh, police uh, morgue. And while there, a mysterious cloaked figure arrives uh, and manages to charm her way past the constable there that was guarding the bodies um, using her uh, hypnosis and and a ring to help her. She would kind of shine the light of the ring on his eyes and he'd get all confused. And He woke up and Dracula's body was gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, she burns his body in a real Luke Skywalker Vader moment at the end of Jedi <laughs> and proclaims herself free of him now. Free to live as a actual woman. Um, of course, that's not the case. Anyway, she has a uh, manservant, uh, sort of like Dracula's Renfield, or this guy is a lot more competent and way less crazy. Um, his name is Sandor, and um, he's kind of a vampire enabler because as she's uh, 
at she's at home in London now uh, with him, and she's all happy to. Oh, you know, I I can finally I can I can live uh, as a as a real uh, woman, and I can I can enjoy happy things and and you know playing the piano. And Sandor just keeps saying, "Yeah, but wouldn't you rather have some blood, or wouldn't you rather play this gothic tune on the piano instead of this happy thing?" He's <laughs> like, really, really doesn't want her to live the life of a uh, of a human woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's she's not a human woman. It's within the next night she already uh, hunts down uh, this poor chap on the streets and. Uh, drinks his blood so it's interesting in the fact that this is um a vampire who wants to get rid of the curse she doesn't revel in being a vampire at this point in the story mm-hmm. she she's a reluctant vampire really basically. would you say she has existential guilt from being alive for so long or like in a like just uh, an existential dread from probably uh, being alive. Yeah, well, she doesn't really, she doesn't seem to have remorse over what she did. Um, doesn't really go into that. She's just happy to be alive. Well, she claims to be happy to be alive, but she still can't go out. Um, she only still goes out at night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's almost like she's just ignoring the fact that she's still a vampire or you know really really wishing that she is uh is back to being a woman mm-hmm. like uh, a real girl she's a, yeah, she's in denial yeah. basically <laughs> she's in she's in vampire denial mm-hmm. um oh can i make a side note on this one cuz i just yeah, looked at the picture of gloria holden and can i just say she is such a fox like, <laughs> as a vampire, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, damn, okay, bite me, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she has a real, uh, like, Hungarian mysterious uh, look to her. Well, her like, it's just um, her face, man. Like, it's just such a well, like, it's just such a, she's such a well-shaped face and the eyebrows. And I'm just going to, like, have striking. a moment. I'm just going to have a moment here and just admire Gloria Holden <laughs> for, like, yeah. Like, she she she's very attractive. So uh-huh. okay. Yep. Back to back to the movie. <laughs> back 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 to the movie. Um. So. So now she's attending parties. She she wants to to live like a, a normal life. So she's attending parties. Um. She attends a party where uh this psychiatrist is uh is there, and that is the uh. That is the lead, um, uh, Otto Kruger playing Jeffrey Garth, and Jeffrey Garth and his um, his assistant. They have a real kind of nineteen forties. Uh, oh, we like each other, but we're not going to admit we like each other. Type of banter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the assistant's really flirty with him, uh, but he's kind of awful to her really. <laughs> but she's just kind of laughing off like oh you um so there's there's quite a bit of humor in it um uh, from those two and and earlier there was a kind of a bumbling uh constable bobby as well um 
it's kind of like almost keystone cop uh type thing so i was a little surprised that, that i don't remember a lot of humor in dracula she might have had moments of levity but it doesn't stand out um I would say some of the humor here maybe undercuts the the tension mm-hmm. that they're trying to build up, which was, I guess that was just the director's uh, style. But um, yeah, I, I found it undercutted a little bit. Um, but whenever um, Countess Maria was on screen, she always played it dead serious. Yeah. And even if there was, yeah, yeah. So even if there was a little bit of comedy going around her, which there usually wasn't if she was in the scene, um, she always grounded the scene very well. Uh, she was very good in this. Mm-hmm. That was uh, definitely the standout uh, performance. Um, but anyway, she kind of falls for Jeffrey Garth, Doctor uh, Doctor Doctor Garth here. She tries to hypnotize him. Um, somewhat succeed it's it's hinted that he has a stronger will um but she's definitely in uh intrigued mm-hmm. him towards her um so movie goes on and uh so there is a body that's been found that's been uh almost drained of its blood mm-hmm. they, they tried to do like two transfusions and they couldn't save the guy uh, so this gets back to Von Helsing, and he's like, ah, there's, you know, Dracula is still alive because his body went missing. They don't know what happened to his body. They don't know it was burned. Mm-hmm. And uh, but soon, Maria's uh, thirst starts to come over her again. She orders Sandor to go go fetch a model for her to draw. She's an artist. So he picks up this girl who it was intimated that she was going to commit suicide by jumping off a bridge. Uh-huh. But he's like, no, don't commit suicide. We have a warm meal, a, a, a warm home, and uh, we can pay you for modeling. And uh, she's like, she's, oh, okay, that's good. That's better than death. Uh-huh. Um, goes back with them. And uh, she is uh, seduced by Maria. And also bitten as well, ends up in the hospital. And after that, Maria's kind of given up on on being human. She she kind of just almost admits to herself that it's 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 not possible, and kind of goes into villain mode now. Yeah. And she she wants Jeffrey, so she kidnaps the assistants, and Jeffrey and Von Helsing and the chief of police go chasing after. Uh, they end up in Dracula's castle again, where the big showdown happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, "You know, I'll let your, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let your assistant go, uh, but you have to stay with me." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I won't ruin the end if if you want to see it, but um, it was interesting. Uh, it, it wasn't too bad. It was it ran about an hour. 15 minutes that's not bad that's really not that bad in terms of if uh time yeah i'd say the first half was um a little more intriguing than the second half second half just kind of went into monster hunting trope Mm -hmm. the the first half was uh i think quite good because you you got to see her struggle 
uh, with uh, being a vampire and wanting to be human. So uh, you have this reluctant vampire, which I guess is also a uh, is also a trope uh, mm-hmm. that comes into that comes down down the line. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the first time like that we're sort of introduced also to that uh, idea that vampires don't necessarily accept the fact that they are vampires and they're doomed to a, like an endless existence, you know, mm-hmm. and also the idea of a familiar, which is the uh, Sandor role, like the, the right. minion that um, like a single minion, like in exchange for you doing stuff for me, I will turn you into a vampire. Oh, and that's it exactly. Yeah, he. So she promised that to him, and then when she said, "No, I want Jeffrey," Sandor was really upset at that. He was really mad at that. Yeah, and that that turning her back on Sandor is basically her undoing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at, at at the very end. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's a, a good follow. I think it, that sounds like a pretty good follow up to Dracula, considering like how, I mean, from what I remember of the original Bela Lugosi Dracula, it's it's pretty heavy. Like it's it's not there's not a lot of light moments except for like the Renfield moments, from what right. I remember. But it's still pretty heavy, and, and uh, heavy material. Like and I mean, just coming from Bella Lugosi to that, it's kind of like a, it, it's a nice transition because they sort of carry on with the, a character that has a lot of gravitas, such yeah. as as a count the Countess. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, but my we don't really see, we don't really see any of her. She doesn't seem to exhibit the same abilities that he does. Um, mm-hmm. They only show her uh, with with her willpower, but even with that, she needed the aid of this uh, ring to help her hypnotize her victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, immortality and drinking blood as well. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, no, no shape changing for her. No. no, that's 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 okay. She doesn't need to shape change. She's so gorgeous. <laughs> I don't. I don't need her to change into any other creature but herself. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was uh, that was daughter, uh, Dracula's daughter. Yes. Uh, fairly good follow up. Um, and then we had after that, 1943, we had Son of Dracula mm-hmm. with Lon Chaney Jr. Yes. Have you seen that one? I have. I remember that one a little bit better. Um, it, it just in terms of it, it's it's it is the son of Dracula. It's not Dracula himself, right? Um, and but he goes he goes by the name Alucard. Yes, right? he does Alucard, which I love that name. That's a good <laughs> name. That is a strong <laughs> name, sir. <laughs> but yeah, he he's he's the mysterious stranger that arrives, and he's invited by uh, a plantation, a daughter of a plantation owner. I think I remember that one, that part okay. of it. And then um, the as soon as he arrives, the dad dies. 
the plantation owner dies under mysterious, like of a heart attack, quote unquote. But mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, his his uh, estate is called Dark Oaks, so you know, not setting up anything there. But <laughs> you know, um, she like the daughter that invited him over. Her name's Catherine. Invited Alucard to the state. She marries him, and she shuns her her other boyfriend. But she's been secretly dating Alucard all this time, and so right. she shuns him. And then um, it's just you know the usual. The count's body count uh, goes you know goes high. It grows, it, up, it yeah. grows up, and then um, uh, Frank. The ex-boyfriend confronts Alucard, and then he shoots him. Obviously, that's not going to kill him, because he's a vampire. The bullets uh-huh. pass through his body and hit Catherine. The oh. And seemingly kill her. We're just going to say that uh, she's not dead. She's a vampire oh, okay. now. <laughs> oh. Okay, I saw that scene. I was... Um... I watched the. I did. I didn't have time to watch the movie, but I. I did watch the trailer, and that was that was actually in the trailer. Yeah. Of the uh, passing through him and hitting her. Yeah. So she's, uh, she's, uh, alive. Uh, she like the the Frank the ex boyfriend runs off to the doctor, going like, "Oh no, I shot, I shot," and then um, he, uh, I shot the guy and and I hit Catherine, and she's dead, and the whole bit, and. All the while, Alucard uh, returns to the Dark Oaks. Um, or sorry, the Doctor goes to Dark Oaks. Dark Oaks, and he's welcomed by Alucard and a previously dead Catherine. So uh, she vampire okay. now. So uh, yeah, just it, it's not much. Like I wouldn't say it's like my like a very memorable film. It ends. With you know Catherine burning in a coffin, and Frank oh. Frank mourning the loss of Catherine, but it is, it is yeah, uh, obviously Alucard escapes and and lives to see another movie. Oh, does he uh, does he return? He does return. Um, Lon Chaney mm-hmm. Jr. was in the sequels of uh, Dracula. Oh. So he was in he was in all of the movies post Lugosi and uh, post uh, post Dracula's daughter. So he becomes the face of Dracula, basically. Um, and then we kind of go to the return of Dracula, which is, as far as I'm concerned, not memorable at all. All right, uh, it's just it's literally like uh, Count. Dracula shows up in California and takes assumes the life of an artist and okay. hunts people. And again, I would say up until like that that between Universal and uh, Hammer Films, that's the only one, uh, only film that was released between Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and then uh, and then it's uh, Return of Dracula, which was released in 1958 by Gramercy Pictures. And it starred Francis Letterer as the Count, but again, it's not that. It's not a memorable movie for me. Like it's, it's okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know if you want to watch it, go for it. But it's just you know, it's one of those just 
they were trying to capitalize on the Dracula craze and it just it wasn't it's it's just like I it, I don't remember much about it so I'm just that's okay. what I remember of it but is it a, okay. like is it a movie that like has a lot of memorable memorable bits in it Mm-mm. not really Oh, okay. You know, I'd rather skip to the Hammer films with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee because I remember those as well. So <laughs> those are. Standard. How was Lon? How was Lon Chaney in that in that first in that first uh, Son of Dracula? He was good. Um, he was good. Yeah, he played played a different type of. Yeah, he played a different type of count, but it was he. <laughs> did he still have sort of like that that suave like, um suave man from from abroad uh, overseas European uh-huh. count vibe yeah he totally carried yeah. that on and he's great like I, I like Lon Chaney but you know like every I would say uh, the most memorable one now for me because I had to revisit it uh, I watched the Jack Palance version okay again and <laughs> Oh my god! It, just for cut-ups, it, it's so it's so funny. Like I love <laughs> Jack Palance can't can't do it. Like he just can't be European. Like I want to suck your no. butt. No, but he, Jack Palance as an actor, like Jack Palance as a person, and Jack Palance as the actor was sort of hand in hand. Like he yeah. can escape the public persona versus his on-screen persona after a certain point so it's good it's good for a laugh and also okay. i think when they remade it again in 1992 when uh when um uh they remade it with uh you know keanu reeves and and winona Ryder, <laughs> it, yeah. it kept it was kind of a like a remake of the jack palance version but a lot better I'm gonna well more more true to the book more for sure. one more to the book, but the thing that um was introduced in Jack Palance's version was the fact that um Dracula was more in tune like more in tune with the historical Vlad the Impaler like, oh, okay guy and like Vlad the Impaler he was a war like he was a king and he it was a war. And then the love interest in well, Jack, the Turks. yeah, of the Turks, yes, and it and his love interest in that movie, um, like Mina Harker, is a reincarnated version of his dead wife, basically. That oh, and okay. that's they they continue like they when they redid that in 1992. That's the sort of the story that they they uh, went with again. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that was a uh, inclusion in balances. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, I, like, when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll pay attention to the story. I won't pay attention to Jack Palance. I will try my hardest. But yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, it was good. But I, I want to flip back to. I don't know. Have you ever seen any of the Hammer films with Christopher Lee? Yes. Uh, yes, I, I saw the original. Um, and then I think I skipped ahead. I, I can't. There was really, there was what seven of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I can't remember exactly which. One. I definitely saw the original. Mm-hmm. I 
think I might have seen the satanic rites. I also have the t-shirt of the satanic rites. Nice. Um, and maybe one other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if we're going to get into the hammer, the yeah, fir- at least the first one. Yeah, for sure. The Brides of Dracula. Let's get, let's get into it. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, you have the Brides of I have the Horror of Dracula. Oh, the Horror of Dracula. I have the Brides of Dracula. Maybe I missed something. I probably did in my notes because there was a lot of notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they called it the Horror of Dracula because mm-hmm. so this was this was the reboot. This was by Hammer Films, mm-hmm. distributed by Universal here, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, and um, so this was cast in Christopher Lee as Dracula and Peter Cushing as Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. And now in Technicolor, yes, uh, we now see Dracula with not so pale, caked makeup skin. <laughs> yeah, but we've been given him red eyes when he gets uh, when he's the bloodlust that comes over him. Yes, which is something they actually carry on in the rest of uh, the lore is the the fact that the eyes change, mm. uh, like in later films, later later TV shows. You you see how the eyes change from normal color to like a yellow or a red, right? Or you know. Uh, what was another one like almost silver which is what they did oh, okay. in, in um in the coppola dracula where uh his eyes were like were almost like a silver like they were very like very piercing silver and very like yeah, intense very inhuman yeah but yeah uh if you want to launch into the horror of dracula we can we can talk about dracula and technicolor <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, uh, this came out. It's it featured a Dracula that was, boy, not so much a sophisticated gentleman, but kind of a predator with a lot of sexual energy. <laughs> and and me growing up with Christopher Lee as sort of an older grandpa type character. It's hard to like <laughs> relate to like sexual energy coming from Christopher Lee at all. So it, it it was quite interesting. I was like, really? Okay. All right. I can see this now, but also can't see this because he was like a withering old man by the time he like I started watching him in Burton films. But okay. We'll go with this. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, he was I mean, he had a Whereas Lugosi had this look into my eyes <laughs> type of uh, uh, charm. It was uh, it, Lee, when I, when I rewatched it, Lee was much more intense, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he, they dropped the Bavarian accent. Thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, he was just... Uh, he, he was more of a striking figure, a mm-hmm. uh, little more relatable, I guess you could say as well. Mm-hmm. But um, and with with Lee's height, more imposing. Oh yeah, he's he was he's well he's uh, he's passed since passed right. He was twenty ten. He passed yeah. away. Yeah, he yeah. he's a he's he was not a short man. So yeah, so yeah, he has that working for him in terms of the size. Yeah. 
Yeah, previous to this, he was in the remake of uh, Frankenstein, where he played uh, Frankenstein's monster. Oh, did he? I yes, didn't know he did. That. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Um, and they cast uh, Peter Cushing, who's at the time was much younger than uh, any Van Helsing before. Yes. He he's and, much uh, more he's much more of a young. A uh, young academic, as opposed to an old academic, right, right. <laughs> uh, and when at first he he, I, I was watching an interview and he was wondering why they casted him if if you're, if you're going for an older gentleman, mm-hmm. and because of his performance in uh, the uh, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. they said no, we want we want you to play a more, yeah, uh, like you said, an academic uh, rather than a stodgy professor. Mm-hmm. And more of a put more of an action role into it, and really, he he carries the film like he is in it way more than Dracula. That I um, remember, yeah, it was more Helsing than Drac, for sure. Yeah, and I think that you know what, compared to previous films, I think that it kind of needed a little bit of a change up in that sense, where it it was more about. Helsing's pursuit as opposed to Dracula stalking his victims in the night, you know. I appreciate that. I appreciated these versions too, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, he, uh, Christopher Lee had actually very little screen time in in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it was like under 10 minutes wow. that he actually appeared as Dracula. Yeah. And I think that also helps because I mean Dracula is supposed to be this character of mystery and yeah and it certainly lends to it if he has less screen time and it certainly builds the suspense uh, yeah. aspect of of the film. Oh yeah, the the, the tension build because all you do is hear rumors about him and, mm-hmm. and you see see the results as he's going after the uh his victims and that's another thing the oh boy did they ever uh change up the the characters in this one mm-hmm. um probably more so than any o- other films um let's see i i, I have them listed here mm-hmm. uh so we have uh, with regards to relations so mina is now married to Arthur Holmwood. Yes. And uh, Lucy is Jonathan Harker's fiance okay. and Arthur's sister. Yeah. <laughs> and poor John Harker gets off like at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, that pretty well. Yeah. That really threw me. <laughs> it's like you're not supposed to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kept expecting him to show up again. I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, I wonder why they did all that change of the relation. That was like... Uh, I guess I, I guess it was to just sort of shake it up. Or maybe they didn't couldn't get the rights to the original text, like a lot of the times. Like during that time period, it was, it was better to sort of change it up a little bit if you couldn't get the rights to it to, to sort of recreate things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess it's, it's simplified it for them. It's um, it's it's a lot harder to get the rights to a, a, a material now. Like a, I know having 
recently watched uh, the Steven Spielberg documentary Spielberg about how he acquires the rights to things and he goes it's it's a lot more of a process it took him like 10 years to acquire the rights I believe to Schindler's List so that's just a little side note but yeah that it but if you can't get the acquire the the rights it's just easier to to sort of adapt and change I guess okay Mm -hmm. um so Renfield and Quincy Morris are completely dropped from the uh the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, they didn't like I mean in to the original story, they don't really add much anyways. Like I mean Renfield's sort of just the comic relief slash just the like, oh, he's just the the ravings of a madman. He you know Yeah, he's almost he's he's almost acts like a prophet of doom. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing yeah. there's not much to him in the novel and also the same thing with Quincy because all Quincy does is uh, fight off the gypsies and then dies in the in the fight I believe is that was it Quincy that died in the fight yeah it was Quincy yeah yeah so so yeah there's no point in adding him especially if if they're gonna say that Jonathan Harker was supposed to marry Lucy (laughs) yeah yeah. why have a Quincy doesn't make sense yeah going after going after her attentions mm-hmm. yeah yeah but um so it was a huge uh success yes and uh launched the uh the hammer horror uh vampire uh movies alongside their frankenstein uh mm-hmm. movies as well so yeah that was uh was a pretty big deal for hammer and universal because they were distributing it yeah yeah um and yeah and just launched it like it launched the bride like after that it was the bride of the dracula dracula prince of darkness which is another one that i remember dracula prince of darkness is okay. is a if you want to watch it it's really good if you haven't seen it watch it um <laughs> and then you have dracula has risen from the grave taste of the taste the blood of dracula <laughs> scars of dracula dracula ad 1972 coincidentally released in 1972 and uh, the satanic rites of dracula and then finally the legend of the seven golden vampires which is was a samurai like kung fu horror spectacular oh really yeah so watch it it's worth it because you know that was when hollywood started really getting into like the the kung fu stuff oh okay yeah like when when we started getting introduced to yeah um martial arts and film so you know getting influenced by the by the far east (laughs) definitely okay but was it a like a domestic or uh, rather in england uh film it was domestic yeah it was released by it was distributed by columbia warner in the united kingdom and it was, uh, yeah, no, uh, actually, maybe it wasn't only, it was only released in the UK and Hong Kong, but, uh, but it's still available here. I remember watching it. So, like, I mean, now, in like when I was younger, I remember watching it. So it's just, it's really funny. <laughs> it's okay. just a, it's a kung fu spectacular. I'll say that much. With vampires, awesome. I have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely watch it. Uh, and then. Going on from Hammer, I thought I'd probably talk a 
little bit about the black exploitation films, uh, Blackula oh, okay. and uh, Scream, Blackula Scream, which were released in 1972 and 1973, and was sort of the black exploitation take, like I believe, much like uh, uh, Foxy Brown. Just right. in sort of made in that vein, so you had sort of it, there were some comedy aspects. It was, uh, it and I mean, I, I remember it because, uh, it's just it, the sideburns, the guy's side about Blackula had sideburns in this one, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, directed by William Crane. And it starred William Marshall and Vonetta McGee. And it sort of followed the... Uh, sort of followed more of a... Like, um, like a Dracula was... Uh, uh, it was sort of a... Uh, he was suppressing the slave trade. Oh, okay. Vibe. So it was like, it starts with like, it's in the, it's 1780 and the prince is sent by the elders of the Albany, uh, sorry, Albany African nation to seek help from Count Dracula to suppress the slave trade. Uh-huh. And um, Dracula, of course, laughs at his request and insults the prince and then makes sort of sexual overtures about the prince's wife. Right. And then after a scuffle, black exploitation style with the uh with Dracula's minions, um, the prince is transformed into a vampire and Dracula curses him with the name Blackula. And thus <laughs> a whole trope is born within the black exploitation, uh, with the sideburns. And man, I'm looking at a picture of it. Those aren't just sideburns. Those are like cheekburns, man. They go right across. <laughs> Funny enough, Gordon Pinson's in this movie. Oh, Gordon Pinson. Yeah. Canadian actor. Canadian actor. Uh, oh. You know, he encounters, uh, he encounters oh, him. Lieutenant Peters is his name in the movie. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it sort of moves to modern day times and, and, uh, yeah, it's just it, it it's more so you watch it for the comedy because I mean you think right. about it now, it 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 wasn't scary, for what it was. It was just kind of like typical of that era, for black exploitation. Right. Yeah, but again, um, the actors in it <laughs> are quite memorable. They they went on to have fairly good careers. William Marshall had a pretty great career as an actor and film. And uh, he was also an opera singer, which oh. I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, he just, he, he was just, uh, he had a pretty successful career side that. And he was also, I believe he was on Pee Wee's Playhouse as the oh, doctor. Really? Yeah. Dr. Richard Daystrom. Oh no, that was on mm-hmm. Star Trek. Sorry, I got this is it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Star Trek. No, he was Dr. Richard Draystrom on Star Trek. And he was, uh, he appeared as the king of cartoons in Pee Wee's Playhouse, which uh, <laughs> I somewhat remember. Oh, man, I do not remember that. 
But he, yeah, he went on to have, and then Vonetta McGee, who played his love interest in the movie, uh, she has, she, I believe she was a model as well. But uh, yeah, she, she went on to have a pretty good career. And she's most known for most of her black exploitation movies like Hammer, Melinda, Shaft in Africa, Detroit 9000. And uh, also uh, Bustin' Loose. She was in oh, a TV okay. show called Bustin' Loose. I don't remember that okay. one. But, All right. but yeah, that, that's pretty much Blackula for you. All right. Interesting. <laughs> no, I've, I've never seen it. I've heard of it. I thought it was like a parody. I, I, I never... Uh... I think it was more so like, yeah, like it, at, the, at that time, like, you know, Coffee and Cream uh foxy brown right all those movies that came out of there out of that era of of black exploitation films but that's that's something i have to like revisit is, is foxy brown i loved foxy brown as a kid <laughs> her and her <laughs> afro <laughs> but uh pam, here, right? pam yeah she and, and oh I loved her in the L word too. Like she was so good in the L word. She, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but it. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then just, uh, just in terms of anytime I see her in a movie, like, I'm just like, yay. <laughs> She's <laughs> <awesome>. Pam <laughs> Greer. I, I don't know. She just has like this whole, like this whole empowered woman vibe to her and every character that she plays. She's sort of like a tough, tough lady. So, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's what I love about her. Is like, it's, she's never like a, you can't, she's never someone get that, she's never someone that gets knocked down. So. Right. But well, I think we can, uh, I can jump to um, I Am Legend now, which is not to be confused with the movie. There's the oh. 1954 book. Okay. Yeah. Have you read it? I think I did read it a very long time ago. Yeah. I loved uh, it. I- I, mm. I loved it. Uh, and then they made it, they made it actually into two movies. Uh, well, three movies, but um, there was The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. Vincent Price, yeah. And The Omega Man I with Charles, Charlton Heston. And oh, then, okay. And then I Am Legend with Will Smith in 2007. And each one was a variation. Uh-huh. Never a true, ad, true uh, adaptation with the novel. Because I really did like the the take on morality within uh, I Am Legend. Because it's sort of like that whole, uh, I don't know if I should spoil the end of the book if anyone wants to read the book. But uh, basically at the end of the novel, he figures out, uh, he does figure out a cure. For the this vamp- is a spoiler podcast, yeah, so, so yeah. keep people in mind. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he figures out a cure for vampirism, but basically, there's a whole other, like a whole other group of evolved vampires that are mad at him for capturing and experimenting on vampires and killing them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the, he was. He's. Ba- they basically tried to bring him to justice at the end. And, oh, yeah. Huh. Which I was like, oh, I love this take. Like, this is the whole, like, if, like, you know, like, with zombies, like, what if they come back? 
Like, what if they come yeah. back to normal? Always, like, with the morality play sure. in it. But I loved I Am Legend. It was such a good book. Wow. So the vampires in I Am Legend are obviously intelligent. Um, a group of them are. Like, there's the... A group of... Oh, okay. Yeah, because he's like... It, again, it's like Robert Neville. Here's my notes. Robert Neville survived the pandemic, not unlike today, where everyone has died, but those who have survived have turned into vampires. Um, they can't be out in the day, like modern day, like with the vampires. And right. uh, he does capture an experiment on them, trying to figure out how to cure them. And he also sort of sees if they can react to if there's cures based on their religious like beliefs too in the novel, like to see if they react or not react if if they remember anything about themselves. And um. Oh, Mal, mm-hmm. we're about to hit the one hour mark, so oh, I'm about to find out. Yeah, let me just, <laughs> I got a few seconds to see if this cuts off or not. Okay. Oh, we're good. We're good. Okay. Okay. Must, must be two hours then. Okay. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but anyways, he meets a woman named Ruth while he's out, sort of freaks out when he sees her. And they, he goes, he goes to her. And she sort of reacts negatively to garlic, which makes him nervous because, you know, she could be a vampire. She reacts negatively to garlic. And so he could have an allergy. Yeah, she may have an allergy. You never know. Some people are (laughs) allergic to garlic. And uh, and then uh, so he takes her to his place. He shows her um, his experiments. Uh, He. They have like sort of a small brief, but like a very brief affair, romantic right. affair. And uh, all of a sudden, all these vampires show up at his home at night. And there's like a full, full out siege on the home. And it turns out Ruth is one of the evolved vampires. And oh. uh, she's been spying on him for all the other evolved vampires trying to figure out what he's doing. And so basically the evolved vampires are mad at him for taking all these other vampires and trying to experiment on them and like eventually killing them. Uh, Cause you know, they, they've survived, they, they evolved. So why can't the other vampires eventually evolve? Right? Like they're, they're right. just killing their, killing their kind. And so basically they attack the home. He, he gets mortally injured and, uh, and uh, she gives him, like, she knows that the vampires are going to kill him. She wanted, like, she wanted to more so put him on trial. So uh-huh. to see the era of his ways, you know, be in the order of, the, like, the old world. And basically she gives him, like, cyanide pills to kill himself so that he can die without pain of being tortured and killed, basically, or just bleeding out oh. to death. So I love that book. It's stuck with me. Like, it's still stuck with me, I guess. Um, but it's one of those, like, it's a really good, it's a really good morality based, like, philosophically based sort of uh, book that makes you really think about it. Like, what would you do if you were in that situation? Would you do be it Robert Neville or would you allow things to be as they are and just go about your business? Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. Oh, wow. I have to read this. I, have, I had no idea it was uh, 
much more layered than I, the movies. I, oh, it is. And I mean, that's the thing. The movies don't do the book justice at all. No. I remember, no. I remember when, because uh, it, it was uh, actually a manager at Home Depot that introduced me to the book because I was, I just started working at Home Depot when the first movie came out. Uh-huh. And I was like, and I was like, oh, I love Will Smith. And he's like, don't watch the movie. It has nothing to do with the book. I'm going to tell you, you have to read the book. And I was like, okay, I'll read the book. I'll take your word for it. And then I read it. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a, that's a pretty good book. And he's like, yep, don't go see the movie. And then I watched the movie. <laughs> I watched the movie anyways. It's okay. Right. I like Will yeah. Smith. <laughs> oh interesting yeah i just remember from uh last man on earth um Mm -hmm. they they really treated the vampires like zombies yeah they did (laughs) they were just zombie stand-ins um well they did the same thing in the in i am legend like they yeah in the the will smith version where there are some that get a little bit wise and sort of use decoys and trick him right and stuff and start to sort of slowly evolve and get reasoning but yeah they're nothing but like but like basically zombies yeah that attack at night yeah so. uh what year was the book uh, 1958 1958 oh, okay. sorry 1954 my bad 1954 that's okay uh <laughs> yeah i was to check that out yeah you definitely do yeah i like i like i just thought like when I was going through stuff, like when I was researching, I was like, vampire novels. And I was like, because you brought up Carmilla and I brought up Dracula. And then I went later on and I was like, are there any like later on that are very relevant and sort of tie into the film and, and, and television world that I can bring back? And I was like, I'm legend. I'm like, I totally forgot about that book. And it's a totally good fit for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, well, we've hit books, we've hit movies. Mm-hmm. How about a little bit of television? Let's do it. June 27th, 1966, came the gothic soap opera Dark Shadows. <gasps> yes. Yeah. So um, it aired on ABC mm-hmm. and it ran, I think, for five years. Mm hmm. Uh, ran till 1971. Yeah, yeah. Uh, created by Dan Curtis and uh, was a very it was really popular for its short run. Mm-hmm. And it starred um, uh, Jonathan Frid as Barnabas Collins. Yes. Yeah. Our poor Barnabas. Uh, poor poor Barnabas. Poor tragic Barnabas. Um. I mean, the movie didn't just feature vampires. It had a wealth of supernatural uh, elements to it. Werewolves, ghosts, yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Witches. Zombies, witches, time travel. Just, well. Although I do have to note for the film, I did love that weird, like, tryst moment where they're playing James Brown, my everything. Where they're, <laughs> like, they're talking. You talk about the Johnny Jeff? Uh, film. Yeah, yeah, where okay. him and uh, Eva Eva Green are like tossing up in this in this room. 
and they're playing my everything. <laughs> I, barely, I, I barely remember the film. Oh, it, it, it's probably the only thing I remember from that film because I love that song. I don't know why, but it's it's such a catchy tune, and I love James. Not James. No, it wasn't James Brown. It was uh, Barry White. Yeah. Oh, Barry okay. White. Sorry. Bleh. I can't. Why did I say James Brown? I don't know why. Different different types of music. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> Just a little. Um, but yeah, Barry White, my everything. And and they're tossing it up in this room. Like, that's uh, that. And also um, Alice Cooper's appearance in the movie. They, he's in the party at the end. Oh, yes. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the show, uh, so it ran five. Uh, five years but as we know soap operas have a huge amount of episodes mm-hmm. uh w- w- within a year and in the last um the original show uh lasted for five years and the last uh, over a thousand episodes holy crow yeah um it was ranked number 19 and 23 on tv guides top cult shows ever Mm-hmm. And it continued on. They, they it had a revival as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the year the revival came out, uh, but and it continued on even after that went off the air in a number of big Finnish audio dramas. Mm-hmm. Uh, big Finnish, they they're known for continuing uh, a lot of. Uh, sci-fi or fan favorite type of shows in uh these uh, audio dramas uh probably the most the biggest franchise they work with is uh doctor who yes where they get past doctors on there to to do adventures so, yes. oh yeah. doctor who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so uh, it it continued uh, that way. Uh, let me see. The revival series came out in ninety one. Yes, it did. Uh, I I think I remember that briefly. The Dark Shadows ninety one series. Yeah, uh, it did not last as long. But, no, uh, it was just. Uh, I think it was just like three years or so. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. That's yeah, uh, I managed to meet. Um, uh, the star. Uh, I managed to meet Bob Barnabas there. He from was... the from the remake or the, the original? The, no, the original. The oh, original. Jonathan Frid. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jonathan he's actually Frid. from Hamilton. Yeah. Right. He's from Hamilton. Well, he oh, was wow. from Hamilton. So... Yeah, I knew he was Canadian. I didn't know he was uh, here in Ontario. Yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, like that's why. Ontario night. Yeah, like us. <laughs> yeah, I um, I attended. So I used to work at a, a comics slash hobby store up in Oshawa. Mm-hmm. Um, went and then it went by the name of Wild Star, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was he and his wife were like big Dark Shadows uh, fans, and so they got us tickets to see a uh, kind of a one man show of his, mm-hmm. and it was shown at the Oshawa, the Oshawa Library. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was it was pretty good. Um, he uh, very 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 nice man, very friendly. Um, 
it, it was a question period answer. I didn't have any questions because I didn't really know the guy at the time. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it was a memorable, uh, it was a memorable uh, show. Um, a real gentleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny enough, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in the remake series that didn't last very long. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, he played. Uh, let me just see here. Um, he played David Collins and Daniel Collins. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like David Collins current day, Daniel Collins back in the day. Right. So, so yeah, again, didn't last very long. It was the same thing. Like they did try to remake the monsters, and like in the yeah. early two thousands, and it didn't quite land. Yeah, I saw that. That wasn't that with Eddie Izzard. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it didn't land. It, it was, was canceled before it even got a gone. chance. Yeah. 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 They just released the pilot episode. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. It was kind of sad because Portia de Rossi was in it too. Mm-hmm. And I love Portia. De, I love Portia de Rossi when she's been in stuff. Like she's, she's a pretty good actress. So, so I'm pleased cast her in something else. <laughs> yeah. Anything else. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like how they're sort of they've remade all of those classics. Like they remade the Adams Family with the the uh, real Adams or the new Adams Family and, and and all the new Adams Family remakes. But yeah, they they try to remake all those classic Gothic type series from like the sixties, seventies, right? And they just haven't sort of landed the way no. that they should. No, I think they need someone to really reimagine them. Um, yeah, it's it's, it, it's hard. It's a hard subject to sort of. It's not something you take lightly because you have to sort of match the heavy with the levity, in, in a yeah. way where the timing, me like where it just hits the mark. Like in terms of comedic timing versus the serious subjects, and like make it relevant for the current day and age, or just turn them all into teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's worked for shows, you know, like um, oh, we had the return of uh, Riverdale that that came that with a more serious tone to it. Uh, and that's I'm just continuing gonna, on. I watch it, not, but I cringe. I <laughs> you you hate watch it do you dude i don't hate watch it like i like it but like some of the storylines where i'm just like oh can you just like get off of the storyline now please like this is and it makes no sense and it's no relevant like apparently there's a whole bunch of youtube videos of the cast like being interviewed about like about the writing and the storylines and uh, being interviewed about the store and cer- store like the mo- the show and certain storylines, and right. even they're like, I don't know where they're going with this. It makes no sense to us. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I I think they could redo it without the teenage aspect. I don't I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need another teen drama. I'm good. <laughs> I uh I understand. <laughs> you know just. Uh, there, there's some things like I, I that I just think they, they could translate well if they're if they had the right hands on it and the more pat like someone that was passionate about it and could put as much love into it, you know, mm-hmm. as, as they could. But we'll see. 
We'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe in another 20 years when they've advanced technology even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so going into, let's see, where are we at now? We're in uh, we're in the sixties with uh, dark shadows and dark shadows, yeah. I, like for me, like I going through my notes, there wasn't much like like for me in terms of uh, television that like really stands out for me. Only thing that pops in my head, and I have mentioned it in my very first episode, mm-hmm. was uh, Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, which was a miniseries uh, adapted from Stephen King's novel mm-hmm. and uh, starring David Soule mm-hmm. from Star- Starsky and Hutch. Yep. And um, yeah, that that freaked me out. I oh, I I won't reiterate what I what it <laughs> did to me, but gave me nightmares. It scarred um, poor David for life. He still has nightmares about it today. <laughs> it scarred me, but also sparked my love. For, for horror and the uh, the supernatural. Yeah, for the ju- the jump scares. It's strictly for the jump scares. We all love to be scared. <laughs> for his time and the fact that it was on television, uh, I thought it was very good. Yeah. Uh, it was very chilling, uh, full of dread. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by the guy who did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was. <laughs> Toby Hooper, yeah. Yep. And... Um, I think it might have been under his direction that they changed the vampire into uh, more of that Nosferatu uh, look to it. Yeah. Um, but which was really, really effective. There was a lot of creepy scenes yeah. uh, in, that, in that miniseries. Um, it rolled out as typical Stephen King fashion does. Mm-hmm. Small town, um, mysterious stranger coming in, mm-hmm. uh, a writer as a protagonist he does that a lot writer as a protagonist i have no idea why why would he have a writer as a protagonist yeah. is he writing well, himself in his novels write what you know that's, that's what he says <laughs> um but uh and it, it it just what once it starts rolling and once the, the town starts to succumb to the, the vampire menace um mm-hmm. it's just it's really good thriller i i watched it recently still holds up for the most part some of the character actors are very character actory but um i i, th- I think it still uh does a pretty good job of it mm-hmm. especially the uh, especially the uh the scary scenes they're, they're still yeah they're still pack up still yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah i'm just uh, trying to i'm trying to think of anything else from that time period that would like jump out to me in terms of a vampire uh only thing i can think of right now is um the tomb of dracula comic book put out by marvel comics mm-hmm. uh, by uh i think it was gene colon mm-hmm. and uh it, it had a successful run it um, starred uh, Dracula as well as uh, a group of vampire hunters trying to hunt him down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the first appearance of a very well-known vampire hunter who would go on to have a few successful films in the 90s. And that's Blade. 
Oh, Blade, yes. Oh, yeah, Blade. Blade. Blade got his start in uh, Tomb of Dracula comic book. Yeah. Oh, funny enough, I'm going to like throw it back to Salem's Lot. Um, did you ever see the follow-up to it, A Return to Salem's Lot with uh, Michael Moriarty? I didn't. I heard it was pretty wacky, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was original screenplay, right? Right. It was not based on anything Stephen King wrote. No, it wasn't. It was a completely uh, new take on the whole thing. Yeah, it was just. Yeah. I think they realized they could make some some money off of this, and they just sort of jumped forward with it. You know, right? Capitalize on it. Huh? Yeah. How was it? it- it's it's you know it's it's different it's a different idea and 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 i mean it's like anything it just kind of like like it it just kind of takes some twists and turns that like and has some stuff tied into it where it doesn't make a lot of sense to the story it was just yeah but i like michael moriarty so i'll watch it right he's a he was he's a good actor well you know um, I don't know if you know, he was Ben Stone on uh, Law and Order. ADA, Law and Order, yeah. ADA Ben Stone, yeah. Yeah. But I believe yeah. he's on another vampire esque movie as well. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie right now, but I think it is a television movie as well. But I can't think of it right now. Okay. Yeah. Or uh, next time. Yeah, I, it, it's definitely something that'll probably come back up. In uh, uh, later notes, yeah. Um, just to jump back to the the comic book, yeah. Um, Blade, because no <laughs> comic books. Uh, so the series ran for seventy issues. Yep, which was uh pretty good, and it was written by Marv Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's famous. Uh, he he's a pretty prolific uh, writer, but mm-hmm. probably most famous for. Um, retooling the the Teen Titans, uh-huh. and uh, Dracula ran into quite a few Marvel characters during his time. Mm-hmm. He ran into Spider Man, uh, the the aforementioned Blade, mm-hmm. uh, Howard the Duck. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, he uh, also met a Robert E. Howard character called Solomon Kane. Who at that time Marvel was also making um, comics uh, of, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think that's all I want to say about that. Mm-hmm. But it was it was it was a darker comic book. This was coming out of the era where Marvel um, was doing some horror comics in the nineteen seventies. Uh, including a uh, a were- uh, werewolf by night and the man thing and a I, I think they had a Frankenstein comic as well. Yeah. Uh, 70s was all about a lot of horror uh, comics. Uh, yeah. At the time. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, like yeah, like the the Neutron Man and stuff like that. Just really yeah. weird one-off comics. <laughs> yeah, 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 and um. Yeah, that's Tomb of Dracula.
And that brings us to the end of our second episode of Vampires. Next segment, we'll be looking at the tail end of the 70s and going into the 80s. Mel and I will be choosing movies and books that we have a personal connection to and want to elaborate on. We're not going to be looking so much at a broad timeline of vampire media, although we will try to stay in a chronological order. But we will be choosing and focusing more on things that we want to talk about. So please tune in next time, and we'll see you on the next episode.